Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. And now, here's our lead minister, Bobby Wallace. All right. Got the microphone working now, so y'all are in for it. Uh, I'm glad uh, once again that you guys are here, and man, um, God is good, y'all. God is good, and we're blessed to just be able to be together, and uh, I think about the things that are going on in our world, and just the people that are walking around uh, living in fear, and uh, we're blessed. We are very blessed, and so I I hope and pray that today that you're ready to hear what God's got to say to you, to me, to all of us. who did you want to be like, or who did you want to be when you were a kid? Now, I guarantee I won't be able to understand or hear you, but go ahead and just say something that you, somebody you looked up to. I heard, I heard Wonder Woman. Anybody else? What? Your mom? Oh, that's good. Just kissing up right here, just in front of everybody. <laughs> uh, anybody else? I don't know if y'all say anything or not. All I hear is... Rah, 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 rah. Michelle Kwan? Was she a figure skater? Yeah, yeah, okay, I remember that. Um, I had a lot of different role models uh, at different stages in life. Uh, I talked to you about some of them before. You know, for a while it was um, uh, Sonny Crockett and Ricardo Tubbs off Miami Vice. I wanted to be, I guess, a a drug cop. I I don't know. I just thought they had cool cars and they did cool stuff, you know. And um, that was back, believe it or not, the first time that the mullet was, um, you know, in fashion. I never thought it would come back, but here we are. One side of the end times, maybe that's it. But anyway, uh, then, you know, for a while too, probably before that, it was uh, Bo and Luke Duke, the Dukes of Hazards. you know. Uh, my dad had an old car that he was working on the yard, so I would roll down the windows, lock the doors, I'd slide through the window, all that kind of cool stuff, slide across the hood, probably caught my pants on something on the hood a few times. Um, but then, you know, it was also sports uh, stars. You know, I, like a lot of kids of my age, which is getting up there, um, I was a Michael Jordan fan. I mean, you couldn't help but be a Michael Jordan fan, so I wanted to be Michael Jordan, be like Mike. I mean, that was the catchphrase, right? Um, I was also before that, and well, a little bit before that, and even after, I was first and foremost a Los Angeles Lakers fan. And uh, Magic Johnson, I mean, I'm showing my age here if you know anything about sports, but Magic Johnson, James Worthy, all those guys, I would be out in my yard and I would be uh, enacting or reenacting different scenes at the end of the game. You know, there's, you know, two seconds on the clock. You know, Magic's dribbling. He throws it down to, to James Worthy. He pulls up. Oh, he was found because I missed it, right? Yeah, I mean, all this, you know, so I get to go to the free throw line. Y'all didn't do that kind of stuff when y'all were kids? Y'all just looking at me stone-faced, and I appreciate it, appreciate it. Um, But I had lots of different role models. You know, I wanted to be different people in movies. Uh, This is truly showing, you know, a little bit of the nerd side. I wanted to be Indiana Jones. I mean, I'm telling you, I wanted to be Indiana Jones. I had, my mom had this old purse. It was brown. It was like kind of a khaki color, had all these like things. And so that was my my bag. I didn't have a leather jacket, but I put on the khaki pants. I did have a sweet old fedora, just like uh, Indiana Jones, not the, the weird little fedoras that everybody wears now, but this was the sweet brown fedora. And I would go, I actually got a whip. That, that shows you when I was raised, right? My mom said, here's a good toy for my nine-year-old a bullwhip. <laughs> now they like wrap kids in bubble wrap and styrofoam and don't go outside, you know, and I was like 
throwing that thing around a branch and trying to swing and all kinds of stuff. Praise Jesus, I'm still alive. But I had lots of role models. But you know what's interesting? Is that I believe that churches can have role models too. And I believe that our church has a good role model that we can see in Scripture, and we're going to talk about them a little bit today. You may or may not have heard of this church. Uh, You might have heard some of the things that they did, or you've heard some of the Bible stories or read some of the Bible stories about things that they were a part of, but you might have just glanced over or skimmed over the name of this church, not realizing who this church was. And we're going to learn about this church from a few places in sort of the middle of the book of Acts. We're going to start with Acts chapter 11. Uh, The scripture that we'll reference will be on the screen uh, as always, that sort of thing. But Acts chapter 11, but this church is a church that was located in a city called Antioch. Antioch. And most of us, you know, uh, if you're from a, a rural area, you might drive through the country and you might see, you know, an Antioch Christian church or an Antioch Baptist church, or, you know, you might see something like that, but you might not have ever heard that name. But Antioch was a church that was really worthy of you and I emulating. When we come together as a church, we can say, I want to be like the church at Antioch. Were they perfect? No, but we talked about that a lot last week. You will not find a perfect church, will you? And it's like I always say, I have to say it in case it's somebody's first time or you missed that Sunday. Don't go if you find a perfect church because you will screw it up because you're imperfect, right? You will mess it up. You'll mess up a good thing that they had going. We will never find a perfect church. But the church at Antioch, from what we know about them, was strong. They were solid. They were, they were secure in their faith, and they were moving forward. And so I want to look at a few things. What are some characteristics that we see from these chapters in the book of Acts that we can find about what we could emulate or be like or act like when it comes to the church at Antioch? And the first thing we see is this. They were a church that loves, that serves, and moves. Now, if you've been around movement for a little while, you've probably heard that phrase because that's our mission statement. But the reason that that's our mission statement is because those are ideas that you see in Scripture about people who want to love and serve and move. But the church at Antioch had this down. Acts chapter 11, verse 19, if you want to follow along with me. Go ahead and get there. Read on the screen here. I'm going to take a sip of water. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. Now I'm going to pause right there to see who was paying attention last week. Why is that important to note? Because just a little bit before what we were discussing last week in chapters 10 and it's re-talked about in chapter 11, this earlier part, what's significant there? We had the Gentile, what was, what's it called a lot of times? Pentecost. A couple of y'all are paying attention, all right? The Gentile Pentecost, the day that Gentiles came into the church, and it was a really, really cool day. But still, some of the believers are still having a hard time, what? Sharing the faith with who? Gentiles, because it's just outside of their frame of reference. But so they were going along, only sharing the gospel with Jews. Verse 20. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also. That's just a fancy word for Greeks, people who follow the Greek culture, Hellenists. Um, Preaching the Lord Jesus, verse 21. 
And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. You see, this church was a church that loves and serves and moves. And when we break that idea down about loving and serving and moving, it it has a lot of layers and a lot of meaning. And the first meaning is this, a church that loves God and loves his word. And, And that's what we want to emulate. Am I right? We want to be a church that loves God and loves his word. Uh, we had our guys uh, men, moving in breakfast yesterday along with the Bible study, and we're actually talking about how to study the Bible. And we had a good discussion about some of the issues that come about and why people misunderstand the scripture. Because a lot of times it can just be summarized as saying people don't really want to hear what the truth of God's word is. They want to have their life and they want to take the word of God and make it fit them so they still feel good about what they're doing. And that's a dangerous place to be because they're in the title of it. Whose word is it? This is a simple one, y'all. I'm going to lob this up for you. Just like you can say Jesus. That would, that would equate. You can say Jesus. Okay. Yeah, that's right. It's God's word. And so we want to trust what he says, what he means, his word. And that may seem, oh, well, you're, why are you talking about that? Of course everybody does that. Jesus himself spent quite a bit of time when he was preaching saying that there are many people who will reject the truth, you know, more. faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. So he encourages these new believers. He's saying, stay strong and true to God. Stay true to his word, his teaching, his truth. There are going to be people coming along teaching you. Make sure that what you're following is true. Verse 24 says, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And it says, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So they continued to grow and they continued to add more people to the church because these people were hungry for the word. Verse 25, so Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. That's a, a lot in that little passage. But here's what I want you to really focus on. There seemed to be a great number of people here in Antioch that were searching for something. They were searching for something. And the truth is, is that every day as we walk around, you know, you could do this. You could close your eyes and you could and just stop and point in a direction. And if you walk far enough, you're going to find somebody who's searching for something because the truth is, is that everybody is searching for something. The sad fact is, is that a lot of people don't believe that they're searching for God, but that's really what they're searching for. You know, it's been said that there's a God-shaped hole in all of us, but we try to fill it with many other things. There's an interesting study that's been done by LifeWay Research, and they did this very recently in January of 2023. They released their results, and here's what they found. A hundred million adults in 
the United States, about 39% of Americans said they use the Bible three or more times a year. Some of y'all said, wow, like stunned and shocked. And I don't know where that hits you. I don't know if that surprises you in a good way. I don't know if that surprises you in a bad way or a, a sad way. But I think it's sad that over 100 million adults in the United States of America, they read the Bible about three times. They use the Bible about three times a year. And you know that equals the lowest number in 13 years of, of, 13 years of doing this study. The lowest number. And it ties with last year as the lowest percentage. In 2021, at the height of the pandemic, 128 million Americans, about 50%, said they interacted with Scripture at least that much. So it went from half to about a third in two years' time. Use the Bible three times a year. We're not talking about reading the Bible cover to cover every year. We're talking about touching a Bible, using a scripture verse, very, very little. That's what it is. It went from half to a third in just two years' time. Then, and they also revealed in the study, people who qualify as what they like to call scripture engaged. Now, that means they have higher levels of Bible reading. They actually try to apply the Bible, use the Bible. They've, it's steady to, steadily declined over the past four years. The number of scripture-engaged people fell from 71 million Americans in, in 2020 to 47 million today. Three years' time, it fell by, you know, 25-plus million around, somewhere around there, 20-some million. I mean, it, it, people that call themselves engaged in scripture. I mean, it, it's a precipitous drop. And here's another statistic. This is interesting, and here's where I hope it gives us a little bit of hope. It does say that almost three out of four Americans say they're curious about the Bible. 75% roughly. Three out of four say they're curious about the Bible, and 39% of those say they're extremely or very curious about the Bible. So, so what does that tell us? What does that give us? With all of the depressing nature of those statistics, what does it help us have a little bit of hope about? People want to know. They, they want to know, and they want to know about God's Word. They want to know about God's truth. So what we are called to do is that we need to be a church that loves God, loves His Word. And that cannot be an organizational thing, can it? You know, there are a lot of people who think I am a part of a church because I go and I sit and I don't participate and I don't do anything, but I'm part of a church. Just because a, a preacher or leadership of a church says, all right, we're going to be a people of the Bible, all that is, a, is an encouragement, right? All that is is a challenge. All that is is an opportunity. All that is is an offer. What happens is how we become a people of the Bible is what? When individuals, all right, everybody do something. Raise your hand real quick. You are an individual, are you not? Some of y'all are like, I'm not trying to be an individual. <laughs> I'm not going to really step out there. <laughs> y'all are tough today. Y'all know that? Tough, tough, tough. Hey, it was my birthday yesterday, y'all. Y'all throw me some bones, okay? All right. I didn't want to play that card, but it was my birthday yesterday, and so I want y'all to perk up a little bit. That's right. I'm here at church on my, the day after my birthday. Our, and our family birthday is a, it's an event. It, it's a thing. It's like three, four days, and we stretch it out. So I'm here. I'm leading the way, right? Uh, I'm doing a thing, all right? So y'all join in with me, okay? Wake up, wake up. If you need to elbow your neighbor, do that. Not too hard. But here's why. 
We, as individuals, are the only ones who can make ourselves a church that really loves God and really loves His truth. We have to individually, nobody can do it for us. Yes, they can encourage us, they can push us, they can spur us on, they can challenge us, they can even call us out if if need be. But we've got to decide to be a people of God's Word, to live it out. Not just read it, not just absorb it, but live it out. You know, we, uh, I don't know if you know this, we try to mention it from time to time, but if you get on the YouVersion Bible app, it's the most popular Bible app, I believe, in the world, and when you search on your um, app stores, you should be able to find it, YouVersion Bible app, it probably has, uh, I forgot what it looks like, but you should be able to find it, YouVersion Bible app. If you get on there and you join it, you um, can get and choose a church as your church. And so if you get on YouVersion Bible app, I'm going to keep saying it, so if you're not on it, you need to download it. YouVersion Bible app, you get on there, you search in the search bar, you search Movement Church, we should be one of the top, if not the top one that comes up based on your location. You choose Movement as your church, and then you will see what our Bible plan for the next five days or seven days or a month is. And we change it you know, very regularly. We keep it up to date as much as possible. We put our Bible plan that we're reading together. And at any given time, we've got you know, 15, 20-some people that might be following along and, and some people that are commenting and, me- and mentioning things that stand out of them in the Scripture. But I want you to be a person who's in the Bible. If you need some help, that's a great tool. If you're already reading your Bible regularly and studying your Bible every day, praise God, keep doing that. But if not, join uh, up with us and read the Bible with us together. Because we've got to get in the Bible every day if we're going to grow our love for the Word and for, for God. It's got to be every day. So also, a church that loves and serves and moves. Show enough 
of looking and acting like Jesus, that if they went and tried you in a court of law to see if you were guilty of being a follower of Jesus, would there be enough evidence to convict? It's a good question to answer. It's a good question to ponder on. So what we need to understand is, is this. What am I doing that stands out? What am I doing that's noticeably different than everybody around me? Am I serving uh, at my church here at Movement? Am I serving in the community in ways that I can? Is there something different about me? And, and I want to hammer this in because I believe it's the foundation. We have to love God and love people. Love God and love people. You see, even in Antioch, they gave, even in their young faith, to what you might would call the, the mother church. Look there in verse 27 and follow. Now in those days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them was named Agabus. He stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine all over the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea, and they did so, sending it by the el to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. There's a truth here that I want us to wrap our brains around that we've got to understand and adopt. Is that our love is shown and measured by our giving and our sacrifice. That is not all that shows our love, but that is a great barometer of our love, is how much are we willing to give and sacrifice. In the grand scheme of things, the church had been in Jerusalem for, for several years now. And the church at Antioch was still young and still fresh and still new. And so when they heard about the need in Jerusalem and Judea, they could have said, well, you know, they've been around for a while and they probably got more money and we're new to this whole Christianity thing. You know, I, I, don't, I can't really give right now. We don't have enough. You know, we've we got to take care of us right here. we got to circle our wagons. But they said, no, we're going to give even in, even though we might not have that much. We're going to give and we're going to sacrifice so that our brothers and sisters could be encouraged. You know, from day one, and I talk about this a lot because this is what I want us to be about, we have strived to be a church that gives and loves and serves in the community we live Even though we are still receiving some support from other churches and other Christians, we're doing our best to become fully self-supporting. But from day one, we said of our local offerings, we want to give to church planning, we want to give to people who are in need in our community, people who are in need in our neighborhood, people who are in need in our, in our church family. We want to give to missions anywhere that we can get connected with them, and we want to help meet needs in natural disasters. And we have done that because we believe that we shouldn't say, oh, we'll wait till we get more stable. We'll wait till we get stronger. We'll wait till we get bigger. Because here's the, the thing I've learned, especially in my own life. If you don't give while you have meager means, it'll be much more difficult to give when you have big means. When you have more money. Because you would have ingrained in yourself an idea of lack and of missing out. And you're like, I have to hold it. I have to hold it. I have to protect it. So even as your money grows, you will still want to hold on to it. So as a church family, we said, no, we're going to give even though it might be scary, even though it might be terrifying, we're going to give. And to this day, you know, coming up, you're going to celebrate six years. Every year, we give away one Sunday offering to different various forms of missions from one Sunday of the whole, everything we take in, we give away and apply it to missions in some way or another. And I'm going to tell you, as a church 
was willing to give even in the early days. I want to share this passage of scripture with you. And it's not going to be on the screen, but it's Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. And it's when they're rebuilding the temple. And it says, Do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. And sometimes you may think, man, we're just starting small and we don't have that great of an impact. You know, does what we give even matter? You, now, you can apply that individually on your own self. And you can apply that as a church as we're young and as we're on the smaller side. You know, we're growing. But, but don't despise the small beginnings. Just start somewhere. Believe it or not, now I know He's the only professional cyclist I know, so forgive me because we got busted for Pete's. <laughs> but Lance Armstrong, you know that one day he had training wheels. You know? He had training wheels on his bike before he learned how to really ride and then became one of the greatest cyclists. Astros, if you want to. <laughs> wow. Not really. Lane did that with me. Oh, that was clever, at least. Maybe not funny, but clever. Snigger. Thanks. All right. But he started off small, right? You and I, we have to start somewhere and give and trust that God will do what he's, he's uh, promised to do and the revival is to be able to give and be even more generous. So we set the precedent from day one and we continue to give generously to missions, to church planning, to people in need, to share love and encouragement, to share the gospel. And I'll wrap up this idea with this. Are you a part of it? Are you personally a part of it? Or are you just attending a generous church? In our culture and society today, it's sort of, sort of taboo to talk about giving and generosity. But I think we're, being, we're doing a disservice to each other if we don't talk about all the parts of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. When we follow Jesus, we're bid to come and die. And that's every part of our life, even the finances belong to God and not ourselves. We also see the church of Antioch is a church that sins. A church that sins. Not S-I-N-S, I know country. Sins, S-E-N-D-S. A church that sins. Look at Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Now there were in the church of Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Renee, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them, and they sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. This church, even in its early stages, was sending people out to help spread the gospel. They said, we're going to send people, and that's the kind of church that we want to be. And praise God, we've already done it, just like on our giving. We started out from basically day one wanting to send people out. We've taken trips, uh, mission trips to Mexico a couple of times. We've helped with cleaning up uh, at hurricanes in Newburgh, North Carolina several years ago. We've given thousands of dollars for people to share the gospel, not just here, but around the world. And we want to expand that sending power. We want to send a team to Ireland to help the new church plan get started there next year. We want to plant a church in a neighboring community here in our area, in our region, so more people can hear the gospel. 
church in some other foreign country that needs Jesus. But more than that, more than that, I want us to be a church that sends us out into our neighbors and our neighborhoods and our community to spread the gospel with people who need to us to be prepared to go and to share the love of Jesus, to be empowered to do that. But do you know what the kicker was? You know what the, the, the mover was in this? Did you catch that? It said that how did they send them out with what? Prayer and fasting. Uh-oh. That's kind of scary, right? I, I joked last week, you know, like I start to eat fast, right? I don't know how much I want to skip meals, but I've done it. And it's been powerful in the many times that I've done it. But just because something is difficult doesn't mean it's not working. And if you want to focus on prayer, fasting is a good tool. And if you don't know a lot about fasting, you may know, okay, it might take food, okay? And that's a huge part of it. That's sort of the primary way to do it. But that's not the only way that you have to do it. It, it doesn't have to gain a lot by fasting from social media. If social media is something you engage and spend a lot of time in, you can fast from, from TV, from Netflix, from, from whatever. You can fast from whatever it may be that you often devote a lot of time to. You say, okay, for a limited amount of time, I'm going to give up that act or that habit or that thing or food. And when I'm thinking about things, when I'm uh, hungry, I'm going to pray, or when I would normally watch TV, or when I would normally get on social media. When I go for my phone and get ready to open social media, say, oh, nope, let me stop and pray. And you use that to really focus and say, God, I'm going to sacrifice for you to focus my mind and my heart on praying about things that are important to me. And it says that they prayed and they fasted before they sent these people out, because they did not take it lightly. Sharing the gospel and sending people out is not a small matter. It is not a small thing. And so they fasted and they prayed before they sent them out. So here's what I want to do. Rather than just say, you should think about fasting, I want to invite you to try something with me. Tomorrow is Monday, right? They come around every week. Monday, tomorrow, I want to ask you to consider from, from basically sunup to sundown to fast from something. It could be from food. Now, make sure you drink water. Make sure you, you can have some juice or something. Maybe keep your blood sugar up, that kind of thing. You know. But it can be from food. It can be from social media. It can be all these things I've talked about. Whatever you choose, but would you consider tomorrow from basically when you wake up to about dinner time or supper, as my kids like to say. Till that time, fast from whatever it is and pray throughout your day. Would you consider it? All right. Here's what I want you to be praying about. I want you to be praying about, of course, anything you want to, but I'd love for you to focus on some of these things. Pray about uh, our church being able to send more people out, as in our missionaries, to send more financial support, to send more missionaries out, to be able to bring on more missionaries, to send people from our, with our own number on more mission trips to help spread the gospel, that we'd be able to send more funds, that we'd be able to plant more churches. And let's just pray about sending more people out so the gospel can be spread. And pray also that we can go out into our neighborhoods and our communities and spread the gospel more. Now, I don't want to just leave you with no accountability. Here's what I want to do. If, if you want to do this, if you want to say, I'm going to take a leap of faith, 
or I'm going to join in. I've done it before. I'm going to do it again. Get a connect card. There's some paper ones in the back, or you can get on your phone right now and you can get on movementchristianchurch.com and you can get a connect card there or our church app and just simply put your name in and just say fasting. That's all you got to do. So we can know, hey, there's five of us, or there's 10, or there's 50 of us maybe that are doing this together tomorrow. And we'll just share the word on, on social media, let people know how many are, are doing it. We're not going to share names or anything, but we just want to know, hey, we're doing this together. We're going to pray, pray, and we're going to fast. And then last but not least, we see that Antioch was a church that celebrates and refreshes. A church that celebrates and refreshes. You know, this church was a place where people would spend time with the body of believers and be refreshed. Look at Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse 24. It says, Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Adaliah. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together... They declared all that God had done with them, how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time with the disciples. After Paul and Barnabas and all these had gone out and gone through all these different trials and had these great successes and even some struggles and some difficult times, where did they spend some time being encouraged and refreshed? Where? Antioch. And I believe that that's the kind of church that I believe we are and we're working towards it. But I want us to be more and more of that. A church where when we come together, that it's a place that we're refreshed and that we're encouraged and that we're challenged to go out and continue to share our faith. They were commended for the work that they did there, but they spent time recuperating and getting refilled and encouraging one another. But I've got to be clear. That only comes with connection and relationship. You do not receive that replenishment and that encouragement and that refilling by just breezing in and breezing out. You've got to spend time face-to-face with people, building relationships and getting connected with one another. I don't know if you guys have seen the meme that goes around social media. I saw it like three days ago, and I went back to try to find it and save it, and I could not find it. But it basically says this. Of those people saying, I'm not being fed at church, how often did you come to the table? And I was like, ooh, that's tough. That's something a lot of people say about a particular church they attend. They say, well, I just wasn't being fed or I'm not being fed. And it's a good question to answer. How often did you come to the table to get fed? How often were you with your brothers and sisters in Christ? How often did you come together and be encouraged and be an encouragement to other people? How often did you come to the table? How often did you come to the table? When we live together in community, we've got the opportunity to be refreshed and refreshed others. And this is the last little one. A church that stands for truth. Antioch was a church that stood for truth. Antioch, though it was a newer, less established church, it stood for truth. Look at Acts chapter 15. You may have heard this. This involves a little bit about what Peter went through in preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. It says, but some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you were circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. 
And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and to the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church at Antioch, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they declared all that God had done with them. And Paul later on had to deal with the same controversy. People who were saying, yes, you can be Christians if you're a Gentile, but you also have to become a Jew again. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, it says this. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. And the reason I point this out is, is this reason. It's very tempting to cave in to popular ideas because a lot of people believe them. But if they're not true, they're not true. It doesn't matter what the majority says. And I love that the church of Antioch, even though the other Christians were even saying, yes, you need, to become, you need to become a Christian, but you also need to become a Jew. They said, even though we're sort of young in our faith, we're going to stand up for the truth. No, a Christian is enough. You don't have to be a Jew because Jesus is the one who died for our sins and rose again. Amen? And so they stood for the truth, even though it was unpopular, and they said, we are going to stick to the truth of God's word so much that they sent people up to Jerusalem that was considered to be the place that had all the answers. They want to stand for truth. And it says also in verse 10 there in Galatians 1, for am I now seeking the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I was still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. So church, we've got to hold to truth, to the love of God's word if we're going to please God. And it doesn't matter what other people say. We need to dig into scripture and preach the truth of scripture alone. If we're going to be a church that loves and serves and moves and sins and celebrates and refreshes, we have to stand for the truth of God's word. This is what the kingdom unleashed looks like. So as we get ready to wrap up our time here together this morning, I want you to consider, what does it look like when we emulate the believers at Antioch? What could it look like right here in our community? What could it look like? What could happen if each and every one of us helped make this a place that's refreshing and opening and challenging and encouraging and that we're a church that sends others and we encourage each other and we build each other up. We stand on the truth of God's word. We dig into God's word daily. We spend time face-to-face loving one another. That's one of the beautiful things is sometimes it gets back to me from different people. And they talk about how movement is a church that has been different than any other church they've been a part of. 
And I hear that quite a bit. And I, it's, it makes me so grateful because of all of us coming together and sincerely trying to love one another, not with a, a fake smile, but real love where we laugh together, we cry together, we, we're shoulders for each other to lean on. We are there for one another. We give generously. We come alongside one another and we dig into God's word together. And I want us to be that times a million because this world is dark. This world needs Jesus. And if it's not going to be us, who's it going to be? It's time for the church to be unleashed. Are you ready to be all that God's called us to be? If there's something on your heart today, I pray that you wouldn't walk out of here without sharing it with somebody. Even if it's just writing it on a connect card. But we want to be a church that changes eternities. Are you in? Are you all in? Are you ready? If you need to obey the gospel today, we'd love to talk with you about that. Or if you want to take a step, or a step deeper in your faith, we'd love to talk with you about that. Let's stand. Let's worship. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.